It feels like we kind of have these two poles. Uh, over the last couple of years, we've talked about the bold and the balm. You know, we talked about a church that is bold, full of boldness, and we're going to step out and there's new things. You know, God is calling us into this incredible vision. But as well, there's this sense of balm. And actually, we spent quite a long time actually thinking about that. In, in 2017, it was, beginning of 2017, we kind of spent about, you know, three or four months just really thinking about this thing of balm, this soothing, this comfort, this place of peace and rest that God was also calling us to be. And so this twin poles, if you like, of St. Paul Shadwell, the bold and the balm. And, and certainly last week there was a lot of boldness as we were declaring our excitement over the things that God is calling us into and is doing through us as a church. And one of the things that I've just been thinking about over these past six weeks, again, is just this sense of balm and this sense of peace and this sense of stillness. And, and in fact, the sense in which it's that that actually grounds us. Uh, it's that that enables us to pivot all of our boldness around, if you like, that anchor that we're able to launch from. And one of the things that Adam talked to us about last week was launching and landing, landing and launching, launching and landing. And, uh, and I wanted to take a bit of time here in February to, if you like, just kind of slow us down a, a bit, you know, just to allow us time to, to take a breath and to pause, if you like. And just remember the centre that Jesus is and that he is calling us to gather around. You know, our new uh, logo, our new little symbol, um, which, uh, which you'll, you'll see if you haven't seen it on these flyers. And the whole, I mean, the whole idea of this, there's kind of like a whole load of stuff that we could talk about. And uh, there's an idea of things looking like a flag and, you know, our kind of nautical history and this amazing place of landing and launching. And there's also these kind of three stripes, the middle one being kind of could be like the highway representing very clearly our place and these, you know, the kind of the highway which cuts through the centre of of our community, you know, three stripes, we could talk about the Trinity, you know, it's a red stripe in the middle, we could talk about the blood of Jesus, you know, there's so much hidden meaning in there, um, but above all, I've just heard people kind of talk about it like, oh, it's the pause, it's the pause, and, I, and, I, and actually, I kind of like that as well, and I think, yeah, that's, that's who we are too, you know, I'll tell you what, St. Paul Shower, it's not a place that you come to to stop, but yeah, it is somewhere you come to... <laughs> But it is somewhere that you come to pause. You know, you pause. And it reminded me of, you know, the psalmist, you know, the writer of the psalms when he says, Selah, pause, rest, find my ease. Uh, and I'd love us just to kind of think about that over the next couple of weeks. And one of the things that I've been really struck by as I've been doing some reading and, uh, and listening to some, some different teachings is uh, just the simplicity of the call that each of us has to simply be with Jesus. You know, over and above all of the clever strategies, all of the great mission lines that we might have, you know, the, the, the incredible values that we might roll out, you know, ultimately it boils down to the simple call to simply be with Jesus, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do the things that Jesus did, specifically rooted in that order because it begins with being with Jesus. You know, Pam spoke to us a couple of weeks ago about making disciples. You know, I mean, that is the first pillar of our vision, isn't it? To make disciples, transform communities and to plant churches. And it all starts with this thing of discipleship. You know, our disciple, how are we being disciples and how are we seeing disciples being made? You know, and what even is that? How, what does it mean to be a disciple? And so we're going to go right back there again. 
because this is the stuff that is good to just revisit over and over. And I'd love uh, for you just to turn with me to Mark uh, 3. Uh, we're just going to look at a couple of verses, super simple. Mark 3, 13 to 15. And uh, basically what, what's happening here is that it's right early on in Jesus' ministry. Um, actually, in verse 7, we see that Jesus withdrew with his disciples uh, to the lake. Uh, and actually, at this time, he would have had lots of, there were lots of disciples. He had lots of people following him at this point. Uh, and, the, and the big title for that, there was disciples. And, you know, so he withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd uh, also followed him. So there's a lot of people with Jesus, and, uh, and then we read in verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority and to drive out demons. Hey, why, don't you, why don't you quickly pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your gospels. Thank you for these windows into your life here on earth. And Holy Spirit, we, uh, we thank you that you are here with us, that you are speaking to us, and we invite you to say whatever you want to say, uh, to shape us in whatever way you want to shape us, so that we can become more like Jesus. Amen. 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 So look, what does it mean for you and I to be uh, with Jesus, to be a disciple, to follow Jesus here in East London in, in 2019. Um, well, well I, I think a good place for us to start is to acknowledge that the truth is we don't, we don't, really, we don't really use the word disciple these days. You know, it's not a word that instantly means something to us because it's not a word that we, that we use. It's not a word that we're very familiar with. A follower, yes, you know, maybe, you know, but... The truth is, we've got this kind of mad follower culture, haven't we, that's sprung up by this kind of disconnected social media world that we are immersed in. You know, we follow people we don't know. Uh, we are friends with people we don't like. We like things that we understand. Uh, we follow people one day and we unfollow them the next you know, our online relationships are at best kind of transient and weird. Uh, you know, the truth is, lots of them are more a source of anxiety for us than they are a source of strength and joy. So we kind of have this weird sort of followership culture that has sprung up. Uh, we also live in a very kind of academic and cerebral culture. Now, some of you may feel that you excel better than others in that culture. Uh, but the truth is, we do. Here in 2019, in London, uh, we have a very academic, cerebral culture. You know, and the point that I'm trying to make is that learning today is really about learning here. It's about understanding. And actually, whether it ends up here or whether it ends up being outworked is kind of less important. You know, we go off to uni and we study geography for three years and then we go become a barista. You know, there's nothing against geographers or baristas, but so often our learning is disconnected from what we become or what we do. And, and actually, we invest hours and hours and years and years in learning here, which often doesn't actually amount to anything in, in our lives. You know, the point is, is that we have a classroom culture. We sit on a chair. We take a course. We try to understand. So our vocabulary 
today and our understanding of what it is to follow or to be taught is radically different uh, from that which the writers of the Bible would have understood. And sadly, I think particularly if you've been around church for a long time, whenever we talk about discipleship, we rip that word out of its kind of first century uh, Mediterranean context and we insert it into our new world today and all that we understand. Uh, But basically, to be a disciple, uh, I put to you this morning, is kind of best, and this doesn't really sum it up particularly well, but for us, in our language today, it's probably best termed as kind of like an apprentice. You know, that idea of kind of active action alongside learning. You know, think of a tradesman. Yeah, you know, if you, think of if you go into your kind of DT class or CDT or whatever they, uh, you know, they call it these days, uh, where you might come alongside and learn how to use a saw. You know, something very practical, uh, and you're kind of learning on the job, if you like. This idea of apprenticeship. Um, but in order to kind of, you know, really show this to you, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory. Uh, of discipleship, just really, really quickly, a bit of a history lesson. Uh, and, and the first thing is that, and a lot of people don't know this, uh, but the first thing is that Jesus didn't invent discipleship. He didn't invent discipleship. You know, he was not the first rabbi to have disciples, and he certainly wasn't the last. Uh, you know, as far as we can tell, um, it, it probably started in Greece with people like Socrates and Aristotle and uh, you know all that to say that discipleship apprenticeship in this way was very much just part and parcel of first century life there's something everyone knew about and some experienced and and rabbis and and when I say rabbi uh, I want you to think think Yoda think Star Wars basically think kind of like teacher um, or, or kind of, you know, master. Yeah, so, so the word rabbi actually comes from a kind of a Hebrew uh, word that, actually, that meant my master. Uh, you know, so you would apprentice under the master. Um, and, uh, and rabbis were basically kind of like the rock stars of their day. You know, these were the guys that were up there and aspired to and kind of awed after. And they would travel from town to town, village to village, drawing huge crowds, and they would teach and they would preach their message. Uh, and, if, and if you were kind of in the top 1% there, if you were like clever enough, smart enough, if you had the right drive, the right kind of acumen, and a rabbi noticed this in you, then he might say to you something like, okay, come and follow me. Come and be my disciple. Basically, come and be my apprentice. And, uh, uh, and now let's say that you were one of these kind of top 1% in the country who, who got that invitation to come and be a disciple of a certain rabbi. Uh, you would then basically live your life with three key goals. Three key goals. And the first one, goal one, was to be with your rabbi. You know, we see this right here in verse 13. He called those he wanted that they might be with him. That's it. Goal number one was to be with your rabbi. 
And this kind of apprenticeship, this sort of discipleship was a 24-7 kind of thing. You know, quite literally, you would follow your rabbi. You would follow him around from village to village, from synagogue to synagogue. You'd spend every waking moment with him. You'd sit by his side and eat meals with him. Uh, You might well sleep uh, by his side. You know, this would literally be your life, to be with your rabbi. In fact, there was a a really well-known Hebrew blessing uh, that used to be said uh, at the time, uh, which was, uh, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the reason they used to say that was because uh, most of the teaching was, was, of course, not done in a classroom. It was done on the road. You know, and your rabbi would, would walk out in front, uh, and you and kind of a, you know, a dozen others would be following behind all day. And the rabbi would be talking, and you would be listening, and you would have a dialogue and a conversation. And throughout the day, you would learn by following your rabbi. And if it was a really good day... And you've done a lot of walking and a lot of talking. By the end of the day, you might well be covered by the dust of your rabbi. You know, and this was considered a huge honor and a huge privilege. Okay, your second goal was to become like your rabbi. Yeah, Jesus had this great saying Uh, He he used to say this, Jesus said, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Uh, And that was the goal. That was literally the goal, for the student to become like the master, for the disciple to become like the rabbi. You know, every student, every apprentice, that was it. That was the goal. Trouble is, in our day and age, you know, particularly in a city like London, you know, it's all about being unique. It's all about being true to yourself. You know, it's all about being authentic. It's about being me. It's about making a name for myself. You yeah, know, but that's not the world that Jesus was born into. You know, if you were an apprentice, it was literally about becoming a carbon copy of your rabbi. You would literally copy everything that they did. You know, every single move they made, you would imitate the tone of their voice. You'd imitate their dress and their mannerisms. You know, I mean, to be honest, it sounds like super creepy, doesn't it, really, (laughs) like to us. But, um, you know, but this was literally what would happen. Your whole aim in this was to become like your rabbi. To be with your rabbi, to become like your rabbi. And the third goal, and again you see it here in this passage, that verse 14 and 15, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And of course this is exactly what Jesus was doing. And this is exactly what he wanted his disciples to be doing. To be with him to become like him, and to do the things that he did. You know, very soon there would come a time when Peter and James and John would be doing exactly the same thing that Jesus did. You know, the whole point of this kind of apprenticeship was to become like your rabbi to do what he did. And usually kind of years and years and years after you've been following your rabbi, like if you made, if you made the cut, 
You know, if you've, if, you've, if you've stayed the course, if you kept with the program, you know, then one day, maybe, maybe your rabbi would say to you, hey, I believe in you. You go and make disciples. And if that sounds familiar, well, that's what, that's what Adam was talking to us about last week. That's what Jesus said to his disciples at the end of Matthew 28. He said, now you go and you make disciples. To be an apprentice, to be a disciple of Jesus today means having exactly those same three goals. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did. It's as simple and as difficult as that. And it's all grounded in this first number one goal, just to be with Jesus, just to simply be with Jesus. Uh, and we're going to be unpacking this a little bit just over the coming few weeks. And uh, I'm just going to give a very brief little thought now on, on being with Jesus. And there's lots that we could say and lots that we will say about this. But, um, but I guess the key thing for us is thinking, well, how does this actually work? How does this work for us? How can we be uh, with Jesus now? You know, because obviously it's, it is different, isn't it? than what we read here in the Gospels. You know, it's not like, you know, with Peter or, or James or, or John, we can't literally follow Jesus around from village to village like they would have done because we know at the end of Jesus' life, after he died, after he'd risen again, he ascended back to heaven. We know, Scripture tells us, that Jesus is now sat at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So how can we, how can we be with God? And this is, this is tricky, right? So I, in fact, I was having this exact same conversation with Adelaide, uh, my little six-year-old uh, girl, this week. Uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was praying with her as she went to bed. We have this thing where she, uh, she likes to do, she calls it special prayer, special prayer. And special prayer basically means she gets to play on my Apple Watch uh, and bring up a verse, because, uh, you know, obviously I can read the Bible on my, on my watch. Why not? And um, so she gets to pick a verse, and then we read the verse, uh, and then we pray. And she loves this, and she, this is called special prayer. And so we were doing special prayer, and, um, uh, and, and, and there was a verse. It was the verse about, about the love of God, and we can't be separated from that. And I was saying to Adelaide, look, Adelaide, you know, you know, you know, mummy and daddy, we really, really love you. Yeah, well, Jesus really loves you too. She looked at me and she went, he's in heaven. <laughs> and I said, yeah, um, but he's here too. She went, he's in heaven. And, uh, and we kind of went, and we haven't totally resolved this one, okay? So <laughs> we're going to be unpacking this for a while. But, um, you know, but the point is, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? And effectively what happens is right before Jesus ascends to heaven, uh, he kind of says this. He says to his disciples, I will be with you always. But it's kind of like this weird moment where he says, hey, I'm going to be with you always. See you later. <laughs> I'm going to be always, bye. You know, and it's kind of like, what? What's going on? And it's super weird. It's crazy. And it's really confusing for us and for those first disciples until you get to Acts chapter 2. And then you read about the coming of the Holy Spirit, who throughout the New Testament was known as the Spirit of Jesus. Uh, and this means that our, our primary goal 
You know, the number one thing for each one of us as we apprentice to Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness and connection with his spirit. And if you've been tracking with us for a while over this past year, 2018, uh, you will be really familiar with this next passage in John chapter 15. Uh, we kind of, we pretty much spent like, you know, six months looking at this passage last year, uh, and it was super encouraging. Um, but but this, is, this is effectively Jesus's big metaphor for us uh, of what it is to be in this state of constant connection and awareness with his spirit. Uh, Jesus says, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and that could be translated kind of like abide in me, stay in me, kind of make your home in me. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is Jesus' big metaphor to us about what our life with him should look like. It's that of a branch abiding in a vine. So I'm just going to leave that verse up there. And I want you to kind of just try and picture that. You know, this branch connected constantly, day in, day out to the vine, to the trunk, constantly drawing food and sustenance and life. You know, Jesus calls it um, abiding or remaining. The Apostle Paul later writes about prayer without ceasing. Yeah, I love this idea that, that prayer uh, is a lifestyle interrupted by prayer meetings. You know, someone said that to me once when I was a teenager, and I've never forgotten it. Uh, you know, that is what it's, it's about. It's about being with Jesus, always, ongoing, continuous, 24-7, living in the power and the presence of God. Anyone feeling that? Yeah? <laughs> you know, the reality is this way of life, I tell, I tell you, it, it takes practice, yeah? Uh, and this is why uh, it continues to be tricky. I'll be honest with you, you know, especially if you're anything like me, if, if you have an iPhone, you know, if you live or if you work in the city, if you commute, this is tricky to remain, to abide. Honestly, the truth is my mind, my body doesn't seem to just automatically go, oh, Jesus. I don't, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. It doesn't come naturally for most of us. And, and that's why there are things like spiritual disciplines, you know, what you may prefer to call practices of Jesus. And that's why they are for everyone. You know, practices like Silence, solitude, like prayer, fasting, like reading scripture, observing a Sabbath, 
like taking bread and wine together, like we will do in a moment. You know, and on and on. There's a whole list. Each and every single one of them copied from the life of Jesus and tried and tested over a couple thousand years by his church. But, you know, the problem is, if we're honest, large parts of our church today, including our part of the church, kind of, uh, well, we, we're not sure we, we love these disciplines anymore. We've kind of gone off these practices uh, of Jesus. You know, the truth is, if you became a Christian for the first time in the middle of the 1600s, like when this church was first planted, uh, you know, chances are someone would have taken you to one side and said, hey, this is, this is fasting, uh, th- this is how you pray all day, every day. You know, this is what it looks like to do community. The truth is, if you become a Christian today, we're more likely to say, hey, why don't you come and um, hey, come with me every fortnight to this Bible study? You know, why don't we meet up and, and let's go through like, you know, Romans or something or whatever, you know. You know, or why don't I send you a link to this really great celebrity pastor uh, who's just dropping these insane one-liners, you know, and then maybe soon you can articulate your faith in a really clever way, just like he does and like I aspire to. You know, so much of our faith today is defined by trying to understand the understandable rather than practicing the way of Jesus. You know, don't get me wrong, Bible studies are really great. You know, reading scripture is a spiritual discipline and, um, you know, podcasts are, well, sometimes they're great. But, um, you know, the point is, is that unfortunately today, disciplines, spiritual habits, spiritual practices have kind of gone out of fashion. They've got a bad rep, particularly when people kind of relate them to, to legalism, you know, to legalistic habits. Uh, and the reason we do that is because we don't really understand them. You know, we don't really understand that actually they're not an end in themselves, but each one of them is a means to an end. You know, it's not about having a spiritual to-do list. It's not about kind of having your, you know, your Evernote or whatever it is in the morning, which is like, you know, uh, read my Bible, tick, you know, pray, tick. You know, yes, I'm making my way through my list and I'm doing my spiritual disciplines. You know, that's not what it's about. You know, is the point of reading the Bible, reading the Bible? Is the point of reading the Bible to know your Bible? The point of reading your Bible is to be with Jesus. It's to be shaped by that activity so that you become more like Jesus, who you are spending time with in and through that activity of reading Scripture. You know, is the point of prayer prayer is the point of fasting fasting is the point of being silent or finding solitude silence and solitude you know like hey I was alone tick (laughs) you know that's not the point the point is that these things help to shape us because they allow us to be with Jesus you know all of these kinds of practices these choices, these habits that we allow ourselves to get into our everyday are a means to an end. They're a way of orientating our life around Jesus. They're a way of abiding in the vine. 
They're a way of being able to say, God, you're here. In this time, in this place, and I've not been, you know, I've been on Instagram, <laughs> I've been stuck in traffic, I've been checking my emails, but, but now I'm here, and you're here, and I'm with you, and we're together. And, and that's all it is. That's it. That's the goal, to simply be with Jesus. Yeah, and, and if you're new to following Jesus, you know, let me encourage you, you know, that's the best bit. You know, the best bit about being with Jesus is Jesus. The fact that we get to spend time with Jesus. You know, I've, got this, um, I've got this great orange cocktail chair, um, which I got for my birthday last summer. Some friends clubbed together and got it for In fact, you would have seen it on the stage. I sat in it when we were doing some interviews last Sunday. Uh, and this, uh, this cocktail chair sits in my study at home. And, um, uh, and, and sometimes what I like to do in the morning um, is just to be able to sit, uh, even for a moment, and it's not easy, uh, especially when you've got like a six-year-old child who just wants a brioche, she's like shouting, get me an apple or something all the morning. But... You know, to try and find five minutes, ten minutes, just, I, just to sit in my orange cocktail chair. Not with a cocktail. Um, and just to be with you, just for, just for ten minutes. You know, and I don't pray necessarily. You know, maybe I don't read the scripture, but just to be with Jesus. You know, that is the best bit. And it's something that every single one of us can do. You know, it's, this, this isn't for the cream of the crop anymore. This isn't for the top 1%. This is for every single one of us. Jesus says to every one of us, come, follow me, be my disciple. You know, we do a lot of talking about following Jesus and about making disciples. And whenever we do, I want us to remember that what we're talking about uh, are these three goals, simple, for each one of us, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did. And, and it doesn't mean you have to go and get ordained. It doesn't mean you have to become a pastor or like work full-time or, or even part-time uh, for the church. You don't have to move to the other side of the world and be a missionary or something. You know, this is you, your life as an accountant, as a mom, as a dad, as a, as a barista who studied geography, as, as a designer, you know, as a student, you know, whatever your thing is, you, know, you get to wake up in the morning every single day and know that the driving aim, the number one goal in your life is to simply be with Jesus, to live as his apprentice.